Oh, man, I just lost a chunk of my nest egg in the market whipsaw. Oh, sorry to hear that. Looks like I'll be wearing a yellow apron well into my 70s. Welcome to Wall... Hey, don't get down. Get educated. Listen to the Total Financial Hour with host Arif Halaby Sundays 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. What did you learn? How not to go backwards with the market, my friend, and have the opportunity to move forward with market growth. That's exactly what I need. So learn about your financial power with the Total Financial Hour Sundays from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. here on AM870, The Answer. The Total Financial Hour is sponsored by TFS Financial Insurance Services and Total Financial Solutions, Inc. The information on this show is not intended to be the primary basis for investment decisions and should not be used to provide financial advice. Please obtain the guidance of a financial professional regarding your particular financial concerns. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. This program reflects the views of Arif Halaby, California Insurance License 0B93792 of TFS Financial Insurance Services. TFS Financial Insurance Services, California Insurance License Number 0F22477, provides retirement income strategies using insurance and annuity products, which are guaranteed by the claims-paying ability of the issuing company. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now higher income strategy, learn from Arab Halabi. Hey, welcome back to the show. Thanks for being a part of it every week. We are here, so continuing to listen really makes a difference. And for the new listeners, I appreciate you joining us and being a part of the show. Look, we're going to talk about your family's finances, and, and a lot of what happens around the, the world impacts you. It impacts us, and sometimes we forget about it. Sometimes we don't realize that something that's happening in China or Europe or maybe even New York, right? You might look at that and say, well... That's so far away, or how does that really ima- uh, matter or impact me or Washington, D.C.? I can tell you, I have friends that live up in the Northeast, and in their world, they seem to be a lot closer to power and the impact that Washington, D.C. has on them. So they pay, seem to pay attention a little bit more anyway. Uh, for us, we're, we're so far away, it's almost as if it's another country. And in some places in Europe, <laughs> you know, you can go to six countries on the same distance that you can go from California to Washington, D.C. So it acts like a a completely different world. Why do I bring that up? Because your personal financial life is now something you have to be involved in. It used to be you would go to work, put your head down, throw money behind you into your 401k plan, do some sort of a, a, you know, diversification. I love that word. It just means you can lose money in a lot of places. You do some sort of diversification you plan, you lay out the, the, the different investment options that they give you, and then you wake up 30, 35 years later and you take a look at your 401k plans and you say, hey, my retirement account at work, my pension plan, how much do I have? Oh, look, I can retire with this much money. And when the market keeps going up and up and up, or when it goes down and it goes down for such a short period of time in your mind, then you say, well, listen, it's always going to come back, right? Well, at least it's down now. In fact, if you listen to, it's really funny, if you listen to other financial professionals, they, they kind of read from the same playlist, don't they? When your account is down, and yet they still take out fees, and you ask yourself, uh, c- can you tell me, uh, why is it that I am putting my money with you? When the market goes backwards, you win, and I lose. And so they'll say things like, don't worry, everybody loses money sometimes. Sometimes. 
Don't worry, everybody pays fees. Don't worry, uh, uh, you know, you're in it for the long haul. I love that. You're in it for the long haul. You say, well, what does that mean, long haul? Uh, How many years is the long haul? What if I want to start taking money out now? What if I just started taking money out? So I want to get into some of the details of how to withdraw money from your accounts, how to make sure that your account is not getting too far uh, upside down when you finally look at it and you go, gosh, I I just can't really make a choice, right? I'm starting to lose money and yet I can't afford to lose money and I feel paralyzed. We see that. We see that all the time. So I want to pull up a couple of things here that I see happening on a regular basis. Number one, we are in the economic cycle. Ready for this? Where layoffs are coming. I've talked about this before. It's layoffs and it is mass chaos. Now, I don't say mass chaos like, you know, torches in the street. Mass chaos as in the economic cycle. Some companies are going to be doing very well, right? Home Depot just came out and said they're raising wages, So everybody's going to get a pay raise. Well, at the same time, you have, uh, let's see, how many different companies? Lyft, Gap, First Republic, Disney, Amazon, Uber. I can go on and on. Companies that are laying off people. So you have on one side a company that says, we're strong, we're solid, we're going to give a pay raise to everybody, regardless of your performance. And then on the other side, they say, we can only not afford what we're doing now, but we're laying off people, says Facebook. We're laying off. Twitter laid off, what, 75, 80% of its, <laughs> of its force? Elon Musk, in a recent interview, said laying off that many people actually made it a healthier, stronger company. Now, the left doesn't want you to believe that because they were running so much money through, through Twitter. They were running so much money through the system to feed to the Democrat Party. That's what they were doing. It doesn't mean that they were more efficient as a firm. How many different videos, TikTok videos, uh, FaceTime videos, that, or, or uh, Facebook videos, rather? You, you'd walk through and you'd say, this is my day at work. And this is our break room. This is our, our safe space room. And over here is our snack room, unlimited snacks. How many of you get unlimited snacks at work? How many of you have all the food? Private chef, cook to your specifications of food allergies. Do do you get that at work? No. But somehow that became the norm in Silicon Valley. And I'm telling you, today they're paying the price. Right? When Elon Musk comes along and says, we can do this with 75, 80% less staff. And so far, Twitter hasn't had mass outages. In fact, people are flocking back to the platform because they see it as a free speech. I don't know how free it is. I don't use it. It's not a thing of mine. But I do know when you as a company that is a mouthpiece for the Democrat Party, we now know that to be true, law enforcement on the federal level, Biden's DOJ, they now can go in and have gone in. They use it as an intelligence service spying platform, meaning if you're the king of whatever or the prime minister of this country, that your private direct messages were being read by the FBI. That's that's kind of scary, right? When the FBI, you've all seen those movies. Today, the gentleman gets laid off or or is a special forces operative. 
They're on the plane going somewhere. And a man in a suit and tie says, sign these forms and you are immediately resigned from the U.S. military. So they all sign the forms. Effective immediately, you are no longer U.S. soldiers. So as you drop into hostile territory, you're on your own. Remember those stories? You see those movies? Well, it's the same thing that happened with the FBI lawyers and the FBI assistant directors. Sign this form. You're no longer a member of the FBI. You're now, wink, wink, nod, nod, an employee of Twitter. And so, massive amounts of employees, massive amounts of director slash vice president level people got in and took over Twitter, used it as a spying mechanism for the American military. Listen, I, I want America to win. I just don't think we're, we're unbiased right now. I think we're choosing winners and losers based on internal politics. To me, that's a problem. Maybe not to you, but to me, that's a problem. In case you weren't sure, I, I, I was in law enforcement. I'm retired from law enforcement, so I am not anti-law enforcement. The Democrat Party will get up. They, are, they hate the police. They hate law enforcement, right? They have to broaden it up. You can't say the police. You can't say the sheriff's department, which is what they want to defund. So they keep broadening it out further and further until they get a definition that encompasses the FBI, which is federal law enforcement. Well, they drop off the federal and they use law enforcement. The, the Republicans hate law enforcement. They are against law enforcement. You go, wow, I, I didn't know that. I thought they were the pro-law enforcement group. So there becomes this game that you're playing as you're watching the national political world move in one direction, and yet at the same time, you're, la- you're watching the national economic move going in a different direction. So what about the layoffs that are here and that are coming in massive levels? Well, I think you got to look and see. You know, in full disclosure, some of the companies I mentioned are probably part of my retirement account, my 401k at my company, I own the firm, so I set the 401k plan. I don't mind you buying into the stock market, provided you are young enough. You're not going to touch it for 10, 15, maybe 20 years. And, ready for this, and there is dollar cost averaging. So I'm not anti-stock market. I think you should have some of your money in a place that is uh, equal to the risk you're willing to accept. So if you are working and your food, your shelter, your clothing comes from your job, then your retirement accounts can go up and down. You're buying when it's high, buying when it's low, buying when it's high, buying when it's low, up, down, up, down. Of course you're supposed to do that. Because when it's down, you are buying more shares. You are accumulating more shares. So the share val- the, the share d- number, the dollar figure, uh, rather, in, in that world, and then the quantity of shares, that's the job. So sometimes $100 might buy 10 shares, sometimes it might buy 15, sometimes it might buy 7. You're consistently putting in that same $100 every two weeks. But what you're not doing is putting in shares every two weeks, right? The shares are the variable. So what I want you to do is just you're accumulating more shares. Remember, when you are in retirement, Now, both the shares and the dollar figure matter. Here's why. Because you cannot take shares to the grocery store. 
you take dollars. So if the value of the shares go down in price, you have to sell more of them to get the same $1,000 this month that you need to live on. So that means they're gone. You sold them. You, you, you exchanged them for dollars. The dollars you took to the grocery store, paid your bills, you're done. So you're not taking shares to the grocery store. That means that the most important part when you are done working or if it's an old job, an old retirement account, your most important job is this. Get out of risk with the money that you need for sure that you have to have in retirement. It has to be there. Get it out of the markets. There's no reason to go up, down, up, down. We're rich, we're poor, we made it, we lost it. Because in the end of the story, who wins all the time? <laughs> yeah, that's right. The broker. Wall Street never loses because they don't charge you a fee based on the money they make you. Wall Street charges you a fee based on how much money they keep. Otherwise, if you said, hey, here's $100,000, how much did you make me this year? And they said, oh, Arif, we made you $10,000. Great. I would say, Mrs. Broker, here's two grand. Let's do it again next year. Make me 10, I'll give you two. Make me 10, I'll give you two. Whatever the number is, right? You would be willing to do that. But at the end of the year, Mrs. Broker, when you lost my money and 100000 is now $92,000, why did you still charge me a fee? What did, what did I buy? It's literally that simple. If you ever talk to a financial professional and they start convoluting the story with big words and diversification and we use the allocation model that's proprietary and they start using big three, four syllable words, you got to say, wait a second. Do you think he or she really believes it? Maybe they do. They probably do. But I will tell you this. With the folks that I speak with, it takes about six months in the financial world to realize what I just told you. And then after that, you make a decision. I think it's an ethical decision. I think it's a decision you have to make and say, yes, I'm going to do it or no, I'm not. Yes, I'm going to offer these kind of financial products. Or no, I, no I, I'm just not going to do that. You want to learn more about financial stuff? You want to learn more about what's happening? Sunday, May 7th. That's a week from tomorrow. Sunday, May 7th at 10 a.m. in Glendale. We're showing a movie. It's called The Baby Boomer Dilemma. The Baby Boomer Dilemma. 888-99-RETIRE. Call for reservations and more information. I'll give you that again. It's May 7th next week at 10 a.m. in Glendale call for reservations and for more information about uh, the location of the movie, etc. Triple eight ninety nine retire That's 888-997-3847. All right. And that's also how you get a hold of us. If you'd like to talk with me or you want a second opinion, maybe I can help. I'll review your accounts, etc. We'll see what I can find out uh, when it comes to the fees, the risks, and then you make a decision, right? Somebody, I don't have anything to lose or to gain if you keep your account there, if it's right for you. Because if, if it's right for you, I want you to have that kind of risk. I want you to have the kind of uh, volatility. Because maybe you want some of your money safe. Well, that's what we do. right? My job is to not make you rich. Let's be clear on that. My job is to keep you from being broke. Those are two separate jobs. 
And you can't have the same person who says, oh, Eric, I do stock bonds, REITs, ticks, fleas, uh, I do uh, uh, annuities and life insurance and term insurance and health insurance and Medicare. And you go, wow, how many people in your office? 87? Uh, no, there's four of us. You go, all right, so what are you an expert in? Because, because I get it, you can do all those things. The license, the piece of paper says you're, you're at least minimally capable of doing it. Okay, I get it. But what are you great at? Because you can't be great at, quote, making somebody rich and keeping them from going broke. Those are two different people. It's like saying I have a neurosurgeon and a podiatrist, right? A foot and ankle surgeon is a brilliant person in the foot and ankle range, uh, uh, arena, right? I would never ask a neurosurgeon who's the top in his or her class to also be my foot and ankle surgeon. I, I just wouldn't. I would want the top foot and ankle surgeon. I mean, you get it? You following me this? They both wear a white coat. They both went to medical school. They both called a doctor. They both know how to use a blood pressure cuff and a stethoscope. I mean, you follow me that there's some common denominators here. But in the financial world, it's easy to fall victim to people who think that they can do everything for you. And I don't think they're necessarily bad people. My judgment isn't on them as human beings. That's not my, my goal is to judge their actions not their heart. That's God's job. I don't, that's not my job. Right? So, so please be careful because this is an important part. Truth is very hard to find these days. And it's always been a bit skewed anyway. Right? It's part of the reason I liked Tucker Carlson. Did I agree with everything he said all of the time? Don't be silly. But do I think he was Saying things that needed to be said? Of course. Absolutely. Do I think he's somebody who had a perspective that wasn't found anywhere else? Yep. Sure do. Do I think the wives of Rupert Murdoch's kids, right, his sons, were running Fox News and Fox Corp? And when his sons that were running Fox News and Fox Corp were dealing with the Me Too movement, Right with all of the people leaving, Greta Van Susteren and others left because of Roger Ailes leaving and because of some of the sexual harassment allegations and Bill O'Reilly being accused of things and on and on. When that wave hit to satisfy the progressives and probably in some sort of settlement agreement, verbal or written, I don't know, the men chose to step back and have their very talented wives run the station and run Fox News Corp. Well, surprise, they're actually Democrats and certainly more left-leaning than Rupert Murdoch ever was. He's got his own challenges. I'm not saying he's a perfect guy. What I'm telling you is who's running the show now is Rupert Murdoch's daughter-in-laws. So female or not, it doesn't matter. The point is they're not of the same political persuasion. They're certainly not of the same free speech method and they're still about trying to gain and, and gather and protect a certain agenda. Listen, Fox is the mainstream media now. Uh, you can tell when you hear people, right? You can tell across the board. When Tucker got the uh, videos, the January 6th videos that showed that it wasn't an insurrection. It was, in fact, a, a standard protest. It wasn't a violent insurrection. In fact, the only violence committed at the day was a Capitol police officer against an unarmed woman. 
right? And when, when President Biden continues to say four or five police officers died that day, all a bunch of baloney. And instead of the media holding them to account and refuting it, they let it ride. So you see the agenda of the mainstream media, now I include Fox News in that, is to not be punished by the three-letter agencies, not to be punished by the federal government from everything, from FCC uh, rules. I don't know. I, I pray Salem continues. That's that's the station. I, I love them. They've given us the freedom to speak the way we want. Nobody gives me an agenda. Arif, don't talk about these four things this week. I don't hear that at all. I pray they keep their independence. I pray they have the courage. They do so far. Let's let's hold hold the line, guys and gals. But I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen next. Does it mean Tucker goes to News Nation? Does it mean he goes to OAN? Does it mean he goes to Salem Networks? Does it mean he goes to Newsmax? I personally think if you can get Bill O'Reilly, Tucker Carlson, Dan Bongino, and Glenn Beck, and you put them on the Blaze TV, headquartered out of Texas, Tucker was broadcasting from his home for the last few years anyway. Home in, up in Maine and down in Florida. He has a full studio in both places. Has a satellite link, a sat link. And just like we can broadcast just about from anywhere in the world. Right? So, so it doesn't matter. Tucker doesn't have to move. Bill O'Reilly doesn't have to move. That's what I think. I think you do something like that and you begin to steal market share away from Almost every single station. But like anything, there's egos involved. There's personalities involved. There's just the quirks that we all have. And we'll see if they can get something like that to work. I think that would be more powerful than having them diluted amongst six or seven different uh, broadcast networks. There's plenty of those out there. So I don't know. We'll have to see what happens. All right. I want to continue with a couple other things here. Um, our phone number, 888-99-RETIRE. That's 888-997-3847. 888-99-RETIRE. Give us a call if you want to attend The Baby Boomer Dilemma. It's a movie. It's a great show. There's no selling going on. If you like it, great. If you don't, you can leave in the middle of the movie. It's up to you. But it's in Glendale, Sunday, May 7th at 10 a.m. Very insightful. Former Treasury Department uh, employees, heads, of agencies, Wharton School of Business, the gentleman who created, ready for this, the father of the 401k, he's in the movie. It's basically a documentary on America's social security, pension, and retirement system. I think you can learn something from it. I don't know. I do. I love it. All right. Baby Boomer Dilemma, May 7 at 10 a.m. That's next Sunday. Call us at 888-997-3847. All right. Part of my concern when it comes to you and I every day kind of living and trying to figure out what the next step is uh, for our financial life really comes down, I think, for a lot of people, it's charitable work. We like to give to charity. We like to be a part of the charitable system. Right. Uh, I don't think anybody has a better dog than I and my dog. All of all of you should think that, by the way, that you have the best dog ever. I know I think that it's a golden doodle. She's 10 years old. She acts and looks like she's three. So the ASPCA, 
seems to give only two of its budget dollars. Uh, let me get to the exact numbers here. All right, let's pull this up. 2% of its budget to pet shelters while promoting radical and elitist anti-farmer policies. That's the ASPCA. They collect a lot of money from conservatives. Conservatives like me that love our dogs, love our animals, and yet they're only giving 2% to the no-kill pet shelters. What are they doing with the rest of the money? Well, a report, uh, there's a recent report, the Center for the Environment and Welfare, a new think tank dedicated to sustainability and animal welfare, released a report exposing the ASPCA, a nonprofit organization formed to prevent animal cruelty for deceptively, deceptively using donor dollars to support radical, elitist, and anti-farmer policies instead of funding animal shelters. That's a report that's come out, uh, published by the Blaze Glenn Beck's uh, uh, network. Now, I think this is important, not because I want you to add, to give them money or not give them money. I want you to be informed. So if you are donating $50 a month or $500,000 a year, it's not a matter of dollars. It's truly a matter of principle. You're the one that worked for this money. Your spouse, your parents, somebody gave it to you, inherited it. It's your money. If you're going to give it to a charity, and including a charity that that I would say does good things, but now maybe uh, I won't be giving to the ASPCA. Let's be clear on that. I just won't. Not until I get some clarification on are they really helping out animals and animal shelters. All right? So just be careful. Where are you donating your money? What funds? Where are you making a difference? We're going to make a difference when we continue after the break. I'm Eric Hallaby, the Total Financial Hour. This is your place for news, talk, and information. AM 870, The Answer. 888-99-RETIRE. That's 888-997-3847. Stay with me. We'll be right back. Come to be, thanks to Arab Halaby. Now every dollar's got a job to do. Arab makes your money work for you. Learn about financial power. The total financial power. Learn about financial power. The total financial hour. Security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now, higher income strategy. Learn from Arab Halaby. Learn about. Hey, welcome back to the program. Appreciate you being here. We're talking about your family's finances, of course, getting out of debt, managing money, planning for the future. That's what it's all about. Uh, I wanted to touch base on something. just got a quick message, and I, and I think this is important, uh, regarding my commentary on Tucker Carlson. Let's be clear on a few things. I don't. He, first of all, he wasn't fired. He was just taken off the air. He's still on their payroll, still required to abide by their contract. It's the way that you handcuff somebody, right? You, you keep them quiet by doing a few things. You buy them. Now, Tucker isn't for sale, so he's got a legal team trying to figure out what a strategy is around this, uh, we're not going to know maybe ever uh, what that strategy is, but we just know there's something going on, going on there. But in addition to that, let's be clear on this. Why are they so afraid of him? Because he didn't have a lot to do with the January 
uh, six uh, riots, right? Except bringing out the facts. He wasn't involved in it. In other words, he wasn't promoting, hey, let's go to January 6th. He didn't do anything like that. He certainly wasn't pushing the Dominion, right? The, the lawsuit. <clears throat> and the next one that's coming, that's supposed to be even uh, larger. But here's the, here's the trade-off. I think you're going to see, if Fox News gets rid of Sean Hannity, then you'll know that it's over. It's done. The other guys and gals are great people. They have great shows. Uh, but y- you can't lose half of your audience and think the advertisers are going to pay the same prices. They just won't. Because they pay the prices to have people watch the show. So they're afraid of Tucker. Why? I'm not sure. I mean, there's all, all sorts of speculation. I would certainly never pretend to know. I have friends in a lot of places. That's just not one of them. So just kind of keep your eyes open, okay? I, I don't know what the reason is. By the way, he's not fired. He's just not on the air. He's still an employee of theirs. They're working out the details. Similar to when Megan Kelly, quote, left NBC News. Well, she didn't. She just wasn't on the air. It took a while to work out the probably tens of millions of dollars settlement to make her go away. And I want you to also know something. And this is going to surprise some of you, and it's going to affect a lot of you. The old idea of non-compete clauses. The Biden administration just made that illegal. So if you are an employee or an employer and you are involved in non-compete clauses, nearly all of them are done. They are not allowed at all to be enforced. They have to, and ready for this, uh, if you're an employer And let's say I had a three-year non-compete with somebody that worked in my office, right? My uh, vice president or president of this, whatever it might be. Somebody pretty high up that knows our trade secrets and customer relationships and all those things. And it's a three-year non-compete and he he or she was gone a year ago. So there's two years left on the non-compete. I am required by law as the employer, you are required by law as the employer to send them notification that the non-compete is null and void. You can't say, well, tough luck. They weren't paying attention to the news. So if they didn't know, then they're going to still operate off of it. That's their problem. Nope, doesn't work that way. You are required now under the Biden administration's new rule of notification and there is no longer any teeth to a non-compete clause. It's an illegal contract. Okay, that's pretty powerful as that has just come down you know, in the last few weeks. And wait a second. Do you think they're going to try to put a non-compete onto Tucker? Uh, yes, they will. And it is null and void. So now it's just whether or not they want to hold off on the contract or, or right? They might just have him sit around at home and write out the 2024 election. That's probably what they're going to do. Listen, Rupert Murdoch is not a fan of, of Donald Trump anymore. Right, you know, you know that. So he said very clearly that we are not going to be pro-Donald Trump on the station. Well, that's important because if you're a host, Dan Bongino, uh, Sean Hannity, Tucker Carlson, who would regularly, through their opinion shows, 
be pro-Donald Trump, and now you're taking that away, well, maybe, just maybe, there's something going on. So just be aware. I, I think the, the non-compete clause that some of you are impacted by, and some of you are holding your employee's account to, to that, it's null and void, according to a recent Biden uh, administration law that has now come down, a rule is that, that has come down through the Department of Labor. I believe it's through the Department of Labor. Check into that. Make sure if it affects you, you make a difference. Okay, the other thing I wanted to bring up today uh, that I think is fairly important when you're looking at what most of us are trying to build financially speaking is why do we see the movement out of the stock market, out of retirement accounts at near record levels? Okay, cashing out of 401k plans. Now, that's the new retirement crisis. People need to understand that. When you're seeing dollars flowing out of millions of dollars are paying billions of dollars, or sorry, millions of Americans are paying billions of dollars in taxes by cashing out their 401k. That is going to change the tax structure of America because a lot of Americans that wouldn't normally pay taxes on this money for years to come are instead going to be paying taxes on the money now. It's very similar to you getting a cash advance on next month's paycheck. The federal government was counting on your retirement account to pay for its bills in the coming decades. But if you're 38 years old and you were laid off from one of those companies or others that I had mentioned earlier, and you have $110,000 in your 401k plan and you say, well, listen, we have to pay our bills and we're going to be moving or I have to find another job or times are tough or my new job isn't paying me as much. Whatever the case is, and you say just close out that $110,000, you're going to receive a check for maybe 70000 bucks. Well, where'd the rest of the money go? Where'd the $40,000 go? State and federal taxes. So across the board, you're going to see a spike in tax revenue with millions of Americans. This is not a small phenomenon, folks. Millions of Americans. And the extra billions of dollars in taxes will show a little bit of a jolt for the state and federal government. Here's the problem. They're going to go and pass budgets as if they're going to receive that money every year going forward. Oh, look at what we just have. We just have new revenue coming in. Okay, we're going to have this five-year spending project. And you say, well, wait a second. This money is only coming in for this year because the emergency is causing people to pull money out of their 401k plans. So we're going to see some issues. What does that mean? I think the largest adult generation ever that's pulling money out of their retirement accounts, they're cashing in. I think you're going to see some issues happening going forward with city, state, and county agencies that are taxing it. You see, some of your cities and states... I know in parts of Ohio, parts of Pennsylvania, New York for sure, there are city income taxes. And if you're in the city of Los Angeles and you're a business, did you know the city of Los Angeles has a business income tax? Huh. Why do you think businesses are jumping right over the border? Why do you think I have no offices in the city of LA? I'm right on the other side. 10 minutes this way, 5 minutes, 20 minutes that way, whatever. The city of LA has chosen to have a business income tax. Fine. When businesses had to be next to the rail yard, had to be next to the airports, 
had to be next to downtown. Well, then that's the price of doing business. But now when you call a company and they have people, not just in India or Pakistan, but they have people all over the United States and all over Southern California. Same time zone. Same nationality. Right? I mean, this isn't the Philippines. It's people that are right down the way that can understand you for the first time, that can help you the first time. You might hear a dog barking in the background. (laughs) You might hear, how many of you done that, right? You heard the doorbell ringing or a little kid crying and you... You're like, wait, you must be working from home. Uh, listen, it, it's fine because Americans will do anything to survive, right? We're, we're a very hardy bunch when stuff hits the fan, but how far do we take that? I don't know yet. We haven't really been tested. I think the big test is coming. I'm not sure what it is, but I think you better learn how to grow your own fruit, vegetables, have your own garden, and if you can... Maybe it's have your own chickens, your own source of protein. You better have something because the world is changing quickly and I'm not sure what direction it's going in, but I can tell you it's not going to be a good direction, not for a while. I think California, that's not dealing with its problems, is going to have bigger problems. Right? You know that California, every January, charges every business owner a tax to have a business in the state of California. And the tax is relatively new, but it's per employee. It's right around $300 per employee. Every January, you have to pay. How many employees do you have? Here's $300 per, right? We have about seven or eight employees. Okay, so I'm going to pay $300 times that. It's not the end of the world. I don't like spending $2,000 at all anywhere in a wasted place but it doesn't change my life. Unlike a person who, who is a startup ice cream shop or, or a family restaurant with a lot of part-time employees or a Toyota or Nestle or PepsiCo or Allstate Insurance, all who have left along with thousands of others because they have hundreds, if not thousands of employees. So why would they stay when you're charging them two or $300 per employee? So instead of California saying, "Uh uh-oh, we're losing hundreds of thousands of people a year and the wrong kind of people, right? The ones that actually create jobs and make money and spend money. So instead, what we're going to do is stop this silly rule. They don't do that. They just keep piling it on. You want to do something fun? Drive through downtown San Bernardino. Drive through downtown Los Angeles or Orange County cities. Go ahead, drive through the San Fernando Valley by the malls. Go to a shopping mall, heaven forbid. And see if you see this is going in the right direction. But instead of the politicians and the people in power going, wow, okay, we overstretched that. We we went, we zigged instead of zagged. They're saying, what? What? I don't see anything. And then Gavin Newsom goes to Florida and says, if you want real freedom, come to come to California. Like, what? I, I don't know, honestly, if they believe it. I, I don't know that psychology. It sounds kind of like the old Soviet Union when they would say things like that. We're, we are about freedom. And you go, oh, okay, that sounds weird, but all right. We're about the ideas of open communication. You, oh, okay, well, Pravda. 
but but you know for sure that wasn't happening. But you see the person in front of the the, the TVs. I feel like that's what's happening. So financially, you're saying I'm going to save money, I'm going to invest money, I'm going to create a business, I'm going to expand my business. But is this the right place to do it? Right? As more and more Americans are cashing out their 401ks, it's not because they feel like this is a a, a successful thing that tomorrow morning we had a new job coming down the road. Uh, I don't see that. I see a lot of people getting scared. And I don't see people thinking this is a good idea. Now, at the same time, states with budget surpluses, Florida, Idaho, Colorado, Virginia even, what are they doing? They're giving rebates. (laughs) Isn't that funny? California's finding a new way to tax you. Every time you turn around, there's a new tax. They call it something. Instead, these other states are saying, no, we're good. We have plenty of money, extra money. And because it belongs to the people and the people have entrusted us with it, when we have extra, guess what we should do? Give it back to the people. That that seems like a normal, everyday, common sense solution, but we don't see it, do we? But in those states, we do. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis announced his intention in February to pass the largest tax relief proposal in the state's history. So now, for the rest of 2023 and 2024, Florida families will be saving $2 billion, with a B, billion dollars. Here's some other states. Mississippi, Arkansas, Colorado, Idaho, cutting property taxes, and even some might even eliminate income tax altogether. Nebraska and Virginia, reducing income taxes. So you see, in the United States, and remember the word state, it's like the United Nations, right? When you think United Nations, the the, the United Nations is a bunch of states. A state is a country. It's its own autonomous region. But the word United States was taken by us, so they have to use United Nations. They're basically synonyms. So when you say the United States of America, we have our own laws and rules, but we create a federal, we give up voluntarily certain rights and responsibilities to the federal government. When you do that, the federal government should be in second place. Your local state should be in first place as far as rules that you should follow. And if there isn't a rule expressly given to the federal government in the Constitution, it's supposed to, in turn, be something that is a state uh, obligation or ability to tax or or to uh, enforce. It is not a federal... It doesn't default to the federal government. It defaults down to the closest uh, entity, governing body, to you. Because I can go to the grocery store, but I'm probably never going to see my congressman. I'm certainly never going to see the Secretary of Defense. I'm never going to see the uh, Biden's top aides of whatever. Never. But the chance of me seeing a city councilman or woman, the chance of me seeing the head of the school board, that certainly goes up, right? Baseball game, Little League, competition, basketball game. I could just about see somebody somewhere that's local. That's what it's designed to do. So that you go out and you have a conversation with them. They see what rules they're passing, how it's impacting you every single day. Biden has no clue what rules he's passing. He's being handled by somebody else.
And if you're not sure, it is not Kamala Harris. Who is it? I don't know. I mean, everybody's got ideas. Probably President Obama's team. Valerie Jarrett and some of the others. She just stepped down. Why? Interesting. Or sorry, Susan Rice. One of them just stepped down. That scares me. Why? Because I think that means that's the next vice president. Or at least vice president candidate. Right? It's kind of like the Manchurian candidate. They position the, the board. They start shuffling things around so that by chance, by accident, and timing is right. And surprise, they entrench themselves for another 12 years. That's the scary part. So who knows? I don't know. I don't know what her her job is or what she's going to do. But when you see these people so far removed and they're passing these laws, and yet you and I are going to the store and paying six, seven, eight dollars for a dozen eggs. You and I are going to the store and paying six dollars for a gallon of gas. And you go right over the border, north, south, east, it doesn't matter. You go over the border and what do you see? At least a dollar or two less in gas. Now go to the Midwest. You realize in Southern California, we have oil drilling out of the ground. We have trucks that can drive it less than a mile to a refinery. Turns oil into gasoline. And then we have those same trucks or different ones that can take that gasoline and drive it a mile the other direction and put it in the gas pump. And then in turn, pump it out of the ground and put it in your car. That oil will travel less than your Amazon package. And yet it's in turn, you're paying all of these fees for it. The taxes that you pay somewhere, in, they're, they're going to tell you it's about $1.50 a gallon. Uh, when we do our math, it's closer to $2.20 a gallon, state and federal taxes in California. $2.20. You see, in some places, the tax is a percentage. Right? Some states and even some taxes in California on the gas. It's a percentage. So as the dollar figure goes up, so does the tax. And in some cases, it's a fixed per gallon. So if the, ta- if the actual cost for a gallon of gas was $2, and let's say it was 50 cents, it would be 50 cents, $2.50. If it was $4, it would be $4.50. In other words, it doesn't change as the price changes. It's a fixed per gallon rate. That's some of the taxes at the state of California. But they have layers of taxes. They have fixed and they have percentage. You know, everybody said in school, remember? Remember in high school? You better learn math, even if you had an honorary professor. You better have learn math, otherwise you'll be broke. you get taken advantage of. And sometimes you laughed at him, and sometimes you believed him. I'm telling you, he, he or she was telling the truth. Your math teacher knew exactly what she was talking about. If you didn't understand percentages, you would probably get taken advantage of somewhere. Now, that's important because I don't think you need calculus, trigonometry. I mean, I can give you statistics. Yes, I think that's important. But the advanced math classes, they're nice. But did you want to be an engineer or not? You see, listen, the goal of those was to teach you to think. 
a thought process, a methodical process, a, a beginning, middle, and end. It wasn't to learn a formula so that one day you would use the, the formula because most of you are never going to. But you better know addition, subtraction, multiplication, division, decimals, fractions. You better learn those things. Otherwise, you're going to get cheated from your pay at work. You're going to overpay or underpay a tip when you go to the restaurant. You're going to get cheated when you are asking for uh, your financial statement. And you're, you're saying, hey, Mr. Broker person, let me see what you have. Uh, did you make me money or not? And you'll fall for their little games. Some of them play games. So I want you to realize that you're going to need some of these basics. But as people are leaving the high-tax states and going towards the low-tax states, you will start to see funny business happening everywhere. And they will spread it out. They're going to put it on your property tax. They're going to put it in your your uh, car registration because it's not called car registration only. It's car registration and vehicle assessment. Isn't that interesting? Vehicle assessment. Why don't you just call it car registration? Oh, because the people would have to vote on that and they would know about it and they would see it. But a vehicle assessment, you can hide amongst your little tyrannical, you know, executive orders, right? You bear, it's for the children. Come on, Eric. It's for clean water and children. You know, every time the Obama administration would, would uh, push and try to pass some sort of climate change or clean water act, or the Biden administration would do it. And they would say, Oh, you know, we need clean air. It's about clean air and then clean air, clean air. And you go, wow. Yeah. I want clean air. And you know, this is ridiculous. And the Republicans want to, and you go, wait a second. When the Obama administration, right, Biden, you're, you're pushing this clean air baloney. But, but when the Obama administration had it, were they the ones that were doing dirty air? Because they passed a law and said, and yay, we now have clean air. They told us we had clean air. And today you're telling me we have dirty air and we need clean air. Then why didn't he or she do something about it before? Right? Why didn't the vice president do something? Why didn't the president do something? So did we have dirty air up until and now it's clean? Right. Thank goodness for you, because you'll only go and blame a, a Republican. You're not going to blame the, everybody else. Always ask yourself, you just told us it was dirty air, dirty water. We hated children. We don't like old people. Remember, and we're passing these laws. So that meant, must have meant that the entire Clinton administration, Carter administration, Obama administration, all of those other Democrats who, quote, clean air. It's about the children. They must not have done it right. They must have only passed a law creating dirty... You follow me? You see, the thought process like that, a linear thought process with logic, okay, that's what those more advanced math programs were designed to do. It's to give you some of that smarter uh, thinking process. So you would put logic together and say, wait a second, if you're telling me that Republicans are bad then why is it that all of the Jim Crow laws came out of Democrat states? Why is it that Democrats want everybody to be their own race? Right? Instead of saying that's a good guy or a gal, that's a great person or not a good person, you start taking a look at the outside. That sounds weird. Your logic's supposed to take you through this. All right, I have your emails when I come back. Plus, I want to finish up on a couple of ideas that I just brought up. I think they're important to you. And they're important to us. Stay tuned after the break. 
The Total Financial Show. I'm Eric Hallaby, the Baby Boomer Dilemma movie. Put it in your calendar, May 7th at 10 a.m. in Glendale. You have to call for reservations and more information. 888-99-RETIRE. Stay with me. We'll be right back. After the break, I'm Eric Hallaby. Every dollar's got a job to do. Arif makes your money work for you. Learn about financial power. The Total Financial Hour. Learn about financial power. The Total Financial Hour. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now higher income strategy, learn from Arab Halaby. Hey, welcome back to the show. Thanks for staying with me. The Total Financial Show. Uh, Look, we are talking about your family's finances, getting out of debt, the things that make it so you can plan for retirement. You got to think through these uh, items. It's not the same. I've shared with you before. I kind of had a heartfelt conversation with my children, especially my my boys, because I don't know if it's going to be something that impacts them more. Meaning, I don't know if there's going to be military issues or conflict where the U.S. is going to make decisions, good or bad or, or smart or not, that are going to ultimately impact. Uh, our military, which means my my boys that are military serving age might have to serve, right? So I just said, listen, I'm sad. I I wish we would have, you could have grown up in a similar life that I did, where America has chosen to be dominant, where America has chosen to stand up for, for rights of the individual, at least publicly, maybe behind the scenes, they were always doing funny things, right? We know that. We know there's a need and a necessity to have the three letter agencies kind of be our big brother protecting us. That's a big deal. Because if you don't, if you don't have that overwatch, then bad guys come in and they hurt us. Okay, I get it. But when suddenly the internal agencies seem to be turning against the American people, that's a scary thing, you guys. And I just told my kids, I'm sad. I don't know what America will be like in 25 or 35 years. I, I, I don't. I don't know if it's the same country. I can tell you, <clears throat> China is preparing, everybody knows, it's the open secret, to take over Taiwan. They already have people planted throughout Central and South America. I've seen them with my own eyes. Now, they're going to call them shopkeepers. They're going to call them businessmen and women. But you don't get to buy a port in Panama or the Panama Canal. Yeah, they own one of them. There's two of them now. They're, we own one, they own one. You don't get to own ports all up and down Brazil and and West and East Africa in China, if you're China, if you're not planning on doing something like, oh, world dominance. Look, many years ago, Great Britain made a decision. They came out and publicly said it. We will no longer be or strive to be a world sea power. That means that they, they have no concern at trying to, to be a world power anymore. They're comfortable taking a second seat. Right? Rome didn't just disappear. It just became something else. The people didn't just go away. I mean, many of them died when Rome fell. But it didn't just disappear. It's called Italy now. Well, first it was papal states, right? A lot of individual states all throughout 
the continent of uh, Italy, the the country that we now know as Italy, and you ruled in accordance with and the blessing of the Pope. Generally speaking, at that time, the Catholic Church owned and controlled a lot of Italy. So they didn't disappear. But other powers rose. And the Italians, or the Romans at that point, their job was to serve those people. Could have been the French, could have been the Spanish, could have been the British. But the different world powers, the Portuguese, as they rose, the former world powers were there to serve and be subservient too. So I think China is trying to do the same thing. They're going to still want the farmland, except the produce, instead of going down the street to the fresh fruit produce stand, the farmer's market, they're going to put that produce on a plane or a ship and take it right back to China for their people. And we'll get the leftovers. That is the direction the Biden administration, I used to say on purpose or on accident, I can't say that anymore. I don't, I mean, there's no other conclusion. Somebody's doing it. I, I don't know why. Was it the payoffs? The, the measly three, five, ten million, twenty million, a hundred million dollars? I, I, I say that measly. It's not that that's not a lot of money, but to to sell out your country for that? Does it seem like that's possible? Maybe. So what I want you to do is you have to plan. You have to prepare. You have to have your own dollars saved. You have to have your own income. I think the solution is income. Not the only solution, but I think you should have money set aside for emergencies and checking savings, right? Money market type accounts. Stay away from the $250,000 number, right? Stay at the 220, whatever that is, below 250. And the reason is simple, FDIC insurance. You get that at a bank. You don't receive that in a money market account though, by the way. Right when you go to your your two name brokers uh, brokerage firms, they're nice people. They're all vice presidents, by the way. You've heard me say that, right? You're either getting the coffee, you're the new guy, you're the secretary or receptionist that answers the phone and and does the scheduling, or you're a vice president. There really isn't another position at any of those two name places. So when you say, "Oh, oh, uh, yeah, Arif." Uh, I worked with the vice president over at uh, Morgan Charles. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the vice president now. I go, listen, do you understand everybody's a vice president? And if you've been there long enough and you've recruited or trained others, they might even call you the executive vice president. I mean, that's pretty cool. Maybe there's a super duper executive vice president. Maybe that's the next, that's the person. Now you know he or she knows a lot. Because if she's called the super duper vice president, then you know, I'm working with the number one person at that firm. Avoid titles. They're mildly interesting. They used to matter. They don't anymore. Now I want to know what your expertise is in. Right? I've told you, my job is not to make you rich. It's to keep you from being broke. Pretty important. Because if anybody tells you their job is to make you rich, first I want you to meet their parents. I'd like to talk to your mom and dad. Excuse me? What? Yeah, I want to meet your parents. Well, why? Because if you think you can make me rich, then you better have already made them rich. Otherwise, you're a son of a gun. You're not a nice person because you don't care about your mom and dad, sister, brother, whoever. So you better make sure that they are wealthy first. Make them rich, then you can come and talk to me. And then you better be wealthy. 
Because if you're running around telling people you can make somebody else wealthy and you're driving a you know 1984 Toyota, living in a rented apartment with three roommates, I'm okay with that. That's We struggle. We all, we all but you, that's not your job. If you're telling me you can make me wealthy and you're struggling financially, well, I know that you're never going to manage anybody's money better than your own. And if managing your own money means that you're still broke, then my question is, why would I trust you with managing my money when you just told me you can make me rich? That's a real conversation you should be having. Well, it's not really me, Arif. It's the brokers. It's the 10,000 men and women behind me. It's the proprietary secret super duper system that we have behind the scenes here. It's a, it's a formulaic uh, uh, financial needs analysis. Yeah. <laughs> you go, Oof, so what is your job again? Okay. So then why am I paying you? If your job is to go name, address, social security number, you should have those real conversations because when you lose money, you have to ask them, did you still get paid? And that's a fair question, right? You would ask somebody that at a restaurant directly or indirectly. So be careful. This is your money. Don't let anybody ever tell you otherwise. Try to move your money from that broker. Try to, try to move it from that Wall Street person. See if they think it's their money or if they think it's your money, right? If their job is just to handle the, tr- the processing, then they better just do the processing. If their job is to, well, we have a fiduciary responsibility to review and overview and watch out and keep it great. Then when did you get paid when you lost my money? Oh, so then you didn't. So where's the responsibility? Only when I'm going to move it? Because your responsibility is to watch my money and not go backwards, Right. If you told me that the hundred thousand that grew to one hundred and fifty, and you said, "Arif, you have one hundred and fifty thousand dollars in your account," I'd be like, "Okay, great. I have one hundred and fifty thousand. Thank you. Great job." And I would pay you for that. You made me money. You deserve to be paid. But then, when you lose my money and it goes down to one hundred and twenty thousand, and you still were paid, well, you you say sorry, or you say, "Don't worry. Everybody makes you know loses money. Everybody pays fees." All right, then fine. But you don't get to say when 120 becomes 130, oh, Eric, I'm making you money. No, you're not. You, you lost my, it's still down. You still lost my money from before. You're just giving me my own money back. Or was the 150,000 never my money? Right? You can't have it both ways. You can't say that the 150,000 was my money. And then when 120 goes to 130, oh, you're making me money. No, no, you're not. You're either giving me my own money back or it was never my money to begin with. All right. I want that logic. The reasons that you took the advanced math, the statistics, those kinds of courses in high school and college was so that you could reason and go through a process, right? I I don't know if even high schools are even having debate class anymore because that's what used to happen, right? You would win or lose an argument based on the facts and the art of persuasion and the ability for you to, to go through that. All right. Very important because if you don't understand that, that today it's not about facts. It's not about argument. It's not about the idea. 
of creating uh, proof. It's about your feelings and emotions. And nobody really cares about your feelings or emotions unless they're married to you or dating you or they're your parent. That's it. Uh, Strangers don't care if you... Listen, I know many of you have used this word before, but I want you to stop. I'm offended. Oh, if I'm offended. Nobody cares that you're offended. That's a you problem. It's not a me problem. If I say the same thing in a group of 10 people and four of you are offended, do you realize that it's the four's problem? That's important you realize that. It's not everybody's problem that you are offended. Don't be so narcissistic. The world does not revolve around your feelings. I'm hopeful I'm not telling you something new, but for some of you it is. For some of you, your parents said that, oh, sweetie, you matter to the world and whatever you feel matters. I'm not saying feelings aren't important, but they're not important to the outside world. They're important to you. They're important to your immediate family, not the rest of the world, the neighbor, the grocer, the person in front of you at the checkout line. Who cares that you're offended? You're not, right? We become this narcissistic world. So please focus on that. Start with you, right? Michael Jackson said it best. Start with the man in the mirror. I don't like quoting him, but he does had, he did have some good, good lyrics. All right, let me get to the emails. This is your email. Uh, Dear Arif, my wife and I have retired and moved to Las Vegas last year. I'm 60 years old and she's 58 and we're in good health and neither of us take any medications. Two of our kids moved there about a year before us and we decided to join them and have loved every minute of it here. We listen to the show on AM870 podcast. Oh, by the way, pausing for just a second. You guys, you can go to AM870, The Answer, and listen to our shows. You can also go onto our website and listen to past shows. So we podcast those, we store those. So you're welcome to do that as well. All right. Uh, And we found it to be most helpful. All right. Continuing. I have tried to manage my own retirement account after I retired and I've not done well. I just rolled it over to an IRA now and it's at one of the discount brokers. Before that, I had it at one of the two name places that you always talk about. It's pretty funny. And yes, I worked with the vice president of the firm. <laughs> like, put a little happy face. So far, I'm down about 20%. And that's about $150,000. Wow. My question is this. This is from Ray, by the way. Ray says, I would like to get off this roller coaster of the market and get some peace of mind and comfort. Is there a way to have 500000 of my current savings account set aside to create an income stream beginning in a couple of years? I don't need any of the money or the income right now, but I do want to make sure it's available if we need it for healthcare reasons or if I pass away first. By the way, we have a total of $3,280 in social security and I receive $2,250 from a pension. When I pass away, she will receive the same amount. He doesn't put his wife's name. She's going to receive the same amount. Okay, so that's twenty-two fifty. So a portion of the Social Security goes away. The lower of the two of your checks between husband and wife stops uh, coming your way. Now, why that is important to know is because the second part is more important, I think, and it's this. If somebody passes away on the 25th of the month, 
whatever social security check was given to them for that month is recovered and has to be sent back to the social security administration. Meaning let's say you got a direct deposit on the first of the month and they pay you for the previous month, by the way, it's a very weird thing. It's the way that they end up with an extra month in their pocket, the, the social security administration. So you have to send that money back, even though you live to the 25th or the 30th of the month. doesn't matter. They require that month's, the last social security check to be returned to them. And you now going forward only receive the higher of the two. So there's a pay decrease that happens. It's just a mathematical formula. Certainly the emotional loss is a big deal. So how do we fix this? How do we make sure that Ray can continue to have income for himself if he's ill or needs it for income or his wife? Or generally speaking, what I think is going to happen as well is one of you will pass away first. Rarely do both uh, both of us go at the same time. And so how do we make sure that that money continues? Here's what we do. Let's talk about this. When you leave a job... The company plan, so if you work for a for-profit company, that's called a 401k. If you work for a city, state, county agency, government agency like that, it's called a 457, also known as deferred compensation. Certain counties or cities will name it something else, but it's still called a 457, 457. In LA County, it's known as Horizons. All right. You're allowed to take that account and pick it up and move it over to an IRA, individual retirement account. And I've already mentioned to you all the different brokers and broker firms, right? They just decided from a marketing standpoint, everybody is called a vice president. So everybody's a vice president. So don't put any stock in that. Could mean they're great. Could mean they're an awesome uh, financial counselor or investor or advisor. But it doesn't mean anything just because it's a title. All right. The word of the day is uncertainty. And that isn't just for your retirement accounts in the market where the volatility that goes up and down. It's also for the stability of pensions across the board. It isn't me saying this. It's Social Security, which is, by the way, an annuity. It's a pension. It's companies that are slowly giving up their pension plans to the Pension Benefit Guarantee Corporation, meaning they're kind of purposely going into default or purposely just, instead of trying to make it work, they're saying, all right, that's it, we give up. There's a big chunk of money here. Pension Benefit Guarantee Corporation, PBGC, take this and resort to the insurance that we purchased. So the way the pension plan insurance works is the employer will buy a certain amount of insurance. So in other words, let's say your pension is $4,000 a month for the rest of your life. The employer might come along and say, well, we can't afford to buy that because this person is 60 years old when they retired. So we're going to insure mm, $2,500 a month. So we will insure $2,500 a month for the rest of their life. Now, that means you have to take a reduction. Tough luck if that's the way it goes. They did that with United Airlines. They did it with TWA different banking in, in, uh, industries, uh, ITT Tech, a lot of these uh, companies that defaulted that had pension systems that went bankrupt, the pension dollars had to be kept separate and went into this to the insurance entity and they ended up paying it out. 
but it's not always the same amount. So the uncertainty with your pension, Social Security just came out, says 2033, 2034. I'm telling you, by the time it's done, it will be 2032. That's when they don't have enough to pay 100% of the pension. Don't be driven down the fear road that says, and the last check is written to Mary Smith out of Jacksonville, Florida. No, no, it doesn't work that way. It just says, hey, beginning next month, we can only afford 70% of every dollar. So if you were receiving a $3,000 Social Security check, you're now going to only receive $2,100. That's the route that we're going. Now, if they don't make changes, but every time they try to make changes... Right, and Donald Trump just got involved in this. DeSantis wanted to make some real changes. But every time somebody does, the other person says, oh, you hate old people, or you're trying to cancel Social Security, Medicare, move the age up. Ron DeSantis, uh, whoever's telling him how to do this, right, or whatever his ideas were back when he was in Congress, they're actually correct. You have to move ages around. You have to move minimum uh, contribution amounts to the social so, social security system. You have to move that up. So, so you have to make some changes. Otherwise, everybody's fighting and meanwhile, the ship is sinking and everybody says, well, you're yelling and screaming at everybody else. Pay attention to the problem that's at hand. So, I don't know. I, I don't know if there's anybody that's going to have the courage to stand up and, and make it work. Okay, so here's what I would do, Ray. I like the idea that you want to have 500000 I did some quick math. I'm guessing you, you have right in the neighborhood of about, oh, probably $1.5 million, something like that, $1.3 million in your account. If we took $500,000 and we set it aside to create an income stream a few years from now, right? A few years from now, because you haven't even started Social Security yet. So when Social Security begins, and that's the $32.80 a month, I'm still waiting four years for that because your wife is 58. We have, she has to get to age 62 before we can start those, those checks. So what do we do for the next four years? I would keep part of that retirement account. Whatever's left, not the 500, because that's what you want to set safe and just use it as a spend down account. Just start taking money from it. Have it in, a, in an interest rate of three or 4%. You can find those these days. So you're getting 3 or 4% on your money. Hopefully you're not taking out much more than that. So you're kind of treading water. But meanwhile, the 500000 that you've chosen to set aside, I would put that in probably two fixed indexed annuities with no fees. By the way, guys, you do not have to pay a fee on a fixed indexed annuity, period. If you do, come in and see me. Maybe I can help. Right? Maybe we can give you a second opinion. Maybe we can stop it. Maybe we can get it out of there. I don't know. At least get a second opinion on whether or not the fee has to stay on it. Whether you got something for it, hopefully. All right, I like one is for accumulation. Its job is to be there in case you were to pass away later down the road. And the other one's job is to give you an income stream in the next three, four, five years, six years. That's really where the, the goal is, is to give you a source of income that doesn't go away. Now, there's a difference between taxable income and tax-free income. In Nevada, you do not have state income tax. That's a great thing. But you do have car insurance that's higher than California. Yeah, that's right. You do have homeowner's insurance higher than California. 
One of the dirty secrets in the state of Nevada is the depth of insurance fraud that happens. It's huge. It's everywhere. There's insurance fraud in every type of insurance, whether it's Medicare and healthcare insurance fraud, car insurance fraud. Just drive on the 15 freeway and how many billboards do you see? Were you in a car accident? Right? A lot of people drive an Uber. Were you in a car accident with an Uber or Lyft driver? Ride sharing, I think they call it, to try to encompass both of those firms. Were you in a car accident with a ride sharing company? Call us, Smith and Jones. Okay. The amount of money that it costs, thousands of dollars a month to have that one billboard, and they're committed to it usually for six months, means it has to work. You realize that. It doesn't mean it doesn't work. And, and the park benches and the TV commercials, right? I, I have to go to, to Vegas every once in a while for conferences, sit in a hotel room, look at the television commercials, and what do you see, right? So when you see that much of advertising, go back to the thought process, the stuff you should have learned in high school or college in math, the thinking, the logic, ready? It must be that people are paying through the nose for insurance, and they are, they are. Property tax is about the same, a little little lower than California, but not much. So really the difference is if you're somebody who's going to live in the same type of a house, right, as far as size goes, it will cost less money in Nevada by far. If you're somebody who has a lot of income that's a taxable event, you're going to save money in Nevada by far. If you like to drive a fancy car and then you want to drive even a more expensive and fancy car in Nevada, you're going to pay a lot more in car insurance. So just know that. That's one of the the pros and cons, right? People want to move to Texas. Well, property taxes there are higher. Gas is lower. So what is it that your retirement life will look like? Will it be focused on income or having a larger home or a farm? Those kinds of ideas will help you decide where to live not just running from California, but I want you to run to someplace. All right, stay with me when we come back. This is a very interesting email. I encountered it multiple times this week and uh, in the last two weeks, probably uh, quite a bit. I think it's going to be fascinating to you when we come back. I'm Eric Hallaby. Stay with me on the Total Financial Hour. 888-99-RETIRE, 888-997-3847. I'll be right back. Learn about financial power. security will help you live the life you dream learn about financial power the total financial hour now higher income strategy learn from Arab Halaby learn about financial power the total financial hour hey welcome back thanks for staying with me I'm Arab Halaby the total financial hour your place for news talk and information AM870, The Answer. Always appreciate you being a part of the show, staying with us. Uh, our new hour, second hour now, it hasn't been new for very for a long time, but uh, it still is a second, an hour of the show that's designed and dedicated to your emails. So here's how you get a hold of me. Arif at TFSWealth.com. Arif at T as in Tom. F as in Frank. S as in Sam, I have to remember it. Wealth as in a lot of money. TFSWealth.com. 
see if I can help you answer your question on the air. Now, part of what's important is the idea of understanding options, right? In America, we have options, we have choices. And that's why I think we're such a different place uh, than most other people, uh, most other nations. Because when you think about building your wealth, when you think about making choices uh, in life, it's not the same as it used to be. Right, it used to be a guy would marry in his early twenties and or late twenties maybe, and she would be in her late teens or early twenties, and statistically, they would live until their sixties. One would pass away, and then the wife traditionally would live on, and that's why today, if you go to nursing homes or assisted living, you see ten to one women to men. Right, you see just a lot more women that are widows or widowers or by themselves. And some men, but very rare, very few and far between, but it happens. So what we're seeing now is people are living longer, but they're healthier. So instead of going into an assisted living facility in your sixties, you're picking up a new hobby like golf or painting or archery. And it's changing everything about you physically and uh, Pilates classes and bike riding and swim lessons. I mean, all these things are happening at a later time in life. And it's almost as if you have two lives in one, isn't it? So I want you to be clear on a couple of things and where this really comes into play. I think you and your family needs to understand that it's okay. In fact, it's preferred to have your parents remarry, whether it's a divorce or whether they're a widow or widower. So many of you, and I don't know why, but it's usually the daughter, but uh, I've seen sons too. You, you hold this guilt trip over your parent and you, you say, you know, why would you remarry? Uh, sweetie, it's been four years. Your dad's passed away. I know, but mom, uh, you know, that, that, okay, wait. So sweetie, you're allowed to be happy, but I'm not. It's lonely. It, it's lonely being single when you're older, when your friends are either dead or still working, right? Or moved away. It's lonely when your grandchildren are now in their late teens and they don't need you as much. And so for, don't forget your parents are people, right? They're human beings. I know it sounds very bizarre to say that, but you wouldn't ask a stranger down the street to do the things that you want your widowed parent to do. You wouldn't ask a stranger down the street, hey, listen, from now on, you have to eat dinner in front of the TV on a TV tray by yourself for the next 26 years until you die. You, you wouldn't do that. You would want them to have a companion, somebody that they could love and care for and somebody that would love and care for them. So I still see it almost every, every week, certainly twice a month, right? When folks come into my office and their second marriages or somebody's a widow or widower, there's always one child about once or twice a month that the parent comes in and talks about as struggling with their newfound independence or freedom. It doesn't diminish the love that they had for, for their deceased spouse. Just not that way, okay? So keep that in mind because some of you are those children some of you are the, and I say children as in you're 50 and 60 years old or 40 and 30, 40, right? You're, you're, you're adults by far. You understand loneliness. You understand 
uh, physical needs and and the the emotions that go with being with the opposite sex or the, or at least the attracted sex, right? Please let them enjoy their life too, because I see the the angst in their life, and I don't want you to continue being that person that uh, prevents them from enjoying this the last decade or two of their lives. All right. With that in mind, here's another email, and this is pretty important. Dear Arif, this is our second marriage, and we're concerned that each of our children will not inherit our own money and our own property. We've been married to each other for nine years. I'm 72, and my husband is 74. He is a widow, and I'm not sure if that matters, but okay, fine. My husband has two kids, and I have three. One of mine has substance abuse issues, so I don't want to leave her anything. Is it possible to have our own money and our own property go to each of our own children? After both of us pass away, of course. We bought a house together about two years ago, and we want each of us to be able to live in it for as long as possible, as long as we're alive. After the second one passes away, it would be distributed amongst our heirs. He is, a reti- he is retired from the railroad, and I am a retired teacher. We each have great pensions, but there is nothing available for the other when one passes away. I have a rental property, it's a duplex, that I want to make sure goes to my two children. I have $2.1 million total saved in retirement accounts and non-retirement accounts. My non-retirement accounts are in a regular mutual fund. He has an IRA with $780,000 and a savings account of $300,000. Part of my accounts include an IRA that's 900000 Okay. A lot of numbers. Let me clarify it for you a little bit. Husband and wife, newly married, nine years. So they were in their early 60s when they married. They each want their children, their own respective children. Sounds like she's divorced and he is a widow. So their kids, their own children, they want to receive the money that they have accumulated their whole life. Reasonable. Realistic, reasonable, understandable. And most of the time, the other person will not have any problem with that. I always want you to think about this on a second marriage. If the other person is counting on your income to pay their bills, right? Husband and wife, the wife is counting on the husband's money each month to pay the bills. But what if he passes first? Well, we need a plan B. If you're young enough, I would say in your 60s or younger, late 60s, I think we can go to 70, let's say, maybe even a little bit older, 72, then consider a life insurance policy to leave as the beneficiary to somebody, whether it's the spouse or the children. And you can use it as a replacement of some of the assets. Here's what I mean by that. Okay, we use my money and her money to buy the house together. Well, if I die, my my kids want their portion of that house. Well, they're not going to get it because she's still living. So what you do in exchange is you use that life insurance policy to buy out the children's, the beneficiary's portion of the current home that we each bought together. So kids receive the life insurance policy. My new wife, now a widow, receives the, the money. Uh, or the home rather. So she gets the home free and clear. Doesn't worry about the kids knocking on the door. Hey, when are we going to get our money? Nope. 
but my children receive the life insurance tax-free, just like they would receive a house tax-free. So there's no change in the status, the tax status. I want the tax status to remain the same. Very important. Life insurance and real estate is tax-free to the kids. So you can use one to replace the other. So if you're young enough, it's a second marriage, you can use one to offset the other. Now you might say, it's my choice to live in this house. So if I die, I want to leave my spouse, this, this, my new spouse, the money so she can go live wherever she wants and the kids will get the house. Okay. You could say that. What would be some of the, mm, some of the details that might make that the case? Well, it's the family home, right? Where my kids grew up. We might've remodeled to make it hers, but she still would prefer not to be in it if I were to pass away, if I'm not here. Okay. Well then kids get their house back. She gets a half a million dollars to go buy a home anywhere she wants, whatever the number is. So you can use it for things like that. That's one of the options. The other part that's pretty important is breaking down your own assets through a living trust. Now, the, the wife, Sharon, right? Sharon, you have a rental property and you have the primary house as yours. You have to have a living trust. Now, I say this all the time. I want to say it again. All of you guys, every time I'm telling you things to do, right? I'm not meeting with you individually, of course. I mean, I'd love to. You can always call me, 888-99-RETIRE. But no matter what, you better meet with a CPA or a tax professional. You better meet with an attorney or an estate planning attorney. I don't want the same attorney that handles car accidents, divorces. And by the way, I can also do your living trust. I prefer not. I tend to want to favor experts in their field. If you're getting a divorce, you use a divorce lawyer, not somebody who builds living trusts. But if you need a living trust, you deal with a living trust attorney, estate tax planning specialist, somebody who knows what they're doing. Okay. Here's why. Because if you can have Sharon, your assets, the, the, the house, Inside of the living trust, you can avoid probate and it saves lots of money. And however you decide to have your portion of the house, if you want to use life insurance to buy out the kids so that your husband, your new husband can still live in the house, then I want you to consider holding the title of the house in joint tenants with right of survivorship. Okay. That's a That's an option. Maybe it's inside of your trust. Maybe it's you and your attorney and your husband all sitting in a room together and laying out who gets what, when, how, and why. Because in each of your cases, Sharon, for example, you might say, I want my children to have the money right away. I need them to have it. I want them to have it. They have debts. They have problems. They're good people. They manage their money well, whatever the scenario is. And Charles might be, well, wait a second. This is not, uh, you know, my kids are lousy with money. So I don't want them to have the money right away. I want them to spread it out over time. Oh, okay. Well, then we need to lay that out in a trust so that his kids get the money the way that he wants them to have it and your children get the money the way you want to have it. Because Sharon, if you don't do this the right way, the government is going to be the only real winner in the story. 
the federal government with federal estate tax. And just so you all know, in a couple of years, that estate tax uh, limit drops. Meaning you're going to pay estate tax on a lot lower money than the 12 million currently, or 13 million, I guess. It's going to drop in a few years unless Congress does something about it. Now, if Congress is still in the we hate rich people scenario and the president still thinks, you know, rich people are dirty and evil and mad, then don't expect them to, to make anything uh, favorable into that, the, the, the new change coming down the road. All right, very important you look at these other areas. Here's another one. Make sure your children are the individual beneficiaries of your non-retirement accounts. Okay, so stocks, bonds, mutual funds, REITs, anything that has to do, ETFs, all the securities. If it's not a retirement account, the children receive what's called a step up in basis, which means this. Uh, 37 years ago, you bought Apple stock for a dollar. I don't care, whatever it is. Today, it's worth $1,000. All of that money is tax-free to your children. Okay, very good idea to make sure they are the beneficiary if you want that to happen. Now, still meet with your CPA, your tax advisor. Make sure that that exists. Make sure that your estate planning attorney understands that you want your children to inherit the stock bond mutual fund account, okay? Because then if you put it in the trust appropriately, they are allowed to circumvent probate or at least in any case, depending on the estate tax rules, you can ensure that it goes to them without paying income tax on all that money. Isn't that exciting? That's nice. And that's the same thing to you, Charles. If you have a retirement account and you want them to have the money, right? You're going to have to ask yourself. They're going to get hit with taxes on it. So how do we make sure that at least the savings account, what portion of the savings account? That's not taxable, but you have to have something called a TOD, transfer on death. Some institutions call it POD, payable on death. It's the same thing in the in its uh, implementation, which is it goes directly to your beneficiaries. Now, they have to prove that you've passed away. They have to come in with a, a form and a death certificate. So, so there's, a, of course, some paperwork as you would expect. But whoever you guys want to receive your re- savings checking, those kinds of accounts, then you would use that uh, as a scenario. Okay. I don't want you to forget about the idea or the concept of something called a prenuptial agreement. Now, you're already married, so it's not prenuptial, it's not pre-wedding, but there is something called a postnuptial, an agreement that you can create after you're married. Especially if you think within your circle of family, especially if you have a wayward child right? You have a child that is a drug addict or on and off mental illness issues that that is not always balanced in their, their thinking. I don't know the right way to put it, but you know what I mean. Or if the spouse of one of your children or grandchildren, because we have found that a lot of the problems that come into play 
It's not your kids. It's the husband or wife. It's the in-laws. They're whispering in their ears. Psst, psst, hey, don't let your, you know, don't let your brother do that to you. You know, don't let your, your sister, she thinks that. Right? So the whisper in the ear, when that happens, who do they sleep with at night? Who do they see a lifelong relationship with? What relationship has less forgiving capabilities just by definition because it hasn't been around forever, right? The, the familiar relationship, I've known my sister since the day I was born and, or the day they were born. Well, my wife, although I've been together with her for 32, 30 years, still not the same 55, 60 years of life, right? So you have to ask yourself, where's that relationship? So make sure that the in-laws, you don't have a poisonous or toxic daughter-in-law, son-in-law in there. So a post-nuptial agreement can solve a lot of those problems. You meet with an attorney. Now that is a family law attorney. That is not going to be the same attorney that does your trust. So the family law attorney you sit down with and you say, well, first of all, is there even a need? I don't know if there is. They will tell you. And if there's a need, is the cost worth it? They will tell you. And then you guys will decide. If there's not any big problems or issues, of course, we agree. If you agree on everything, then it's not each other that you have to worry about as much. It's going to be who? The children, grandchildren, and their spouses. All right? So I like post-nuptial agreements, prenuptial. If you're marrying your second marriage in your 50s and 60s, even 70s, consider that. Right for for you guys, it, it's kind of an open secret, right? You both aren't looking the same as you were when you were nineteen. You both aren't going to have the same stamina and all sorts of things in life, right? You're not going to have the same uh, physical motivation to do things. You're at a different phase in life. So the same conversation we would have had when we were in our twenties. So I want to keep my stuff, my stuff, and your stuff, your stuff, right? The People would just be upset about that. That just doesn't make sense. But when you're later on in life, you have your kids, my kids, even our kids, right? Sometimes there's second, there's a second family that's created. So you have your kids, my kids, our kids, right? When that happens, the revocable living trust, the family trust can make a huge difference. So consider that as a, as an option as well. The state, uh, the estate planning techniques that you lay out can go on to even include who handles the medical decisions. Because in many cases, and I, I happened to have this uh, probably three weeks ago, she was closer to his daughter than she was her own daughter. Here's what I mean by that. Her stepdaughter, even though she'd been married you know, to her dad for 20 years, was a lot more attentive and close and a confidant than her own daughter who lived across the country and who kind of was estranged off and on. So when it came to her medical decisions, she didn't want her biological daughter making those determinations. She wanted her stepdaughter. Well, that better be laid out pretty dang clear. Because if you're in a position where you can't make those decisions and now you have your daughter flying in from the East Coast 
And she says, all right, we're going to do this and this and this with mom. And the stepdaughter says, no, we're not. I'm in charge. You better be prepared to lay that out pretty quickly. Now, I always want you to, if you're, if you find yourself in that position, I'm going to give you a little trick. This little tip can make a difference. Ready for this? I always want you to do something that a parent does, which is tries to not make problems. Most good parents don't, right? They understand this. So instead of saying, well, it's because you're estranged off and on, off and on, I want you to say this. The reason I have Mary Sue doing this instead of you is because Mary Sue lives close by. She's gone with me to doctor's appointments. She's available at a moment's notice. She doesn't have to catch a plane. And I don't want to burden you. You have a young family. Whatever the thing is that you see the difference, the delta, the difference between the two, I want you to use that. It's the distance, sweetie. I'd love to have you, but you don't live in our neighborhood. I'd love to have you, but you have young children and a husband who needs you. I don't want to fly you out and have to take care of me for three weeks at a time. You would get fired from your job. Mary Sue is down the street. She comes to see me after work. It's a lot easier. Okay, so find a way as a parent to walk through that conversation so that you don't alienate. Because here's what would happen. And you know it. You know it. Your grandchildren on this side don't talk to those grandchildren on that side. And maybe you're one of those. Why don't you talk to your parents, uh, first marriage, or your dad's kids from the... We don't talk to that side of the family. That's the that's the, the them side of the family. We don't why don't we talk to them, mommy? Uh I don't know. Right? That's what will happen. You're not gonna know. You're gonna say, we just don't talk to that side of the family anymore. What a what a mistake. You build wealth so that you can fracture your family for the rest of eternity. And the Jones don't talk to that side of the family, the Smiths. And even though they can trace their family tree back to you, you were the point in time when that fractured that relationship. What a shame that is. Okay, so learn to manage that relationship better, I guess. I don't know if that's the right word is manage, but learn to not alienate those things. All right. Lastly, I want you to think about what's going to matter when you are both passed away is what's going to matter when you both pass away and everything is done. The taxability of your assets, who receives them? Because here's my, my recommendation, at least for a consideration. When both of you pass away, what matters could be a charity or church, an organization, right? I love Providence hospital. I think you should consider that it's, it's been there for my family. My kids were in scouting. I love them. We're going to take care of them, although I don't like their current direction, but it's a different topic. Right? So I want you to think about this. If there's a hospital like Holy Cross in your life, whatever the hospital is, it doesn't matter. Or if there's an organization or a church or a charity or a nonprofit, then I want you to consider putting it in your will. I want you to consider giving them the taxable account. Okay, what does that mean? IRAs, 401ks, 457, thrift savings plan if you work for the federal government. That's what it's called, a TSP. Anything that has yet to pay taxes on it, 
don't give that to your children because they're going to only get about half. Instead, give it to a church, charity, or an organization. And then what do you leave to your children? You leave life insurance, real estate, stock market accounts that are not in the retirement account. All of that is tax-free. The impact that you now have in life could be much greater when you pass away. Just a thought. Thanks for being part of the show. 888-99-RETIRE. Give us a call if you want to be part of the Sunday, May 7th at 10 a.m. in Glendale. The Baby Boomer Dilemma, that's coming up. I'm Eric Hallaby. This is the Total Financial Hour. AM870, the answer, 888-99-RETIRE. That's 888-997-3847. Have a blessed rest of your day. Make your money work for you. Learn about financial power. The total financial hour. Learn about financial power. The total financial hour. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.